Welcome to a special edition of the Computer Weekly Downtime Upload Podcast. I'm Cliff Sarin and my special guest today is Matt Hogue, Chief Technology Officer at Coke Business Solutions. So Matt, just to get the ball rolling a bit, could you give me a little background about yourself and about Coke and Coke Business Solutions, please? Yeah, sure. First of all, I uh, really appreciate you having me here, Cliff. Um, so I am Matt Hogue. I'm the Chief Technology Officer for Coke Business Solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been with Coke for about 24 years now in various different uh, technology and architecture roles. Wow, 24 years, 24 years. That's an amazing amount of time. I was just saying, I mean, I, I was just recording, you know, I've been at Computer Weekly about 20 odd years. The industry changed so much. But anyway, so you've had you've had different roles roles there. Yeah, you, you were saying. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think um, to your point, right, we've uh, there's been a ton of change in the industry and across our business as well. So, so Coke Industries has a lot of different businesses within it, right? And it's everything from um, oil and gas to uh, paper and pulp products to uh, enterprise software and electronics, and and a lot in between there as well. Um, the the Coke Business Solutions Group is really designed as you know kind of those leveraged capabilities across the enterprise. So mm-hmm. things like IT, HR, facilities, uh, uh, those kinds of services. Well, thanks for the introduction, Matt. But at a high level, what would you say are the main technology drivers at Coke, and how does that fit into the overall business strategy? Yeah. So the the main technology drivers or maybe maybe challenges, right, is I would say technology is really changing pretty rapidly, more rapidly than it ever has. Mm. So, you know, we just talked about the, the amount of changes in the last 24 years. I think as we see uh, technology invading every aspect of our personal lives, that's happening in the in the business as well. And really understanding um, how do we leverage that to be better competitively advantaged in the market. And, and it's, you know, as we think about things, whether that's uh, how we develop software, how we manufacture uh, goods, how we deliver services to customers, you know, things like connectivity are paramount to those types of uh, bringing technology into those types of goods and services. Yeah. Yeah. I I can see that. I mean, um, I understand that your team was established as a result of the CEO's transformation imperative. Uh, I mean, just so that just for the purposes of our audience, what are the main pillars of that transformation strategy? And what role does, sorry, and, 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 and just what role does do you and your team play in supporting that strategy? Yeah. Um, so this was really kind of a call to action, mm-hmm. um, and and it was really again that recognition that technology is in everything, and if we don't, if we don't continue to improve and modernize how we run our businesses, the products that we deliver, those types of things, yeah. that will begin to fall behind. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my team was one of many across the enterprise, right, in various different technology groups as well as uh, uh, within the businesses themselves that was kind of spawned out of this effort. Uh, Our role really was preparing our 
core infrastructure and technology solutions to be ready for this digital transformation of the business. And what we found was, uh, quite frankly, we were behind, right? So we had, uh, for example, on the connectivity space, yes. uh, we, we had approximately 80% of our sites had less than 10 megs of bandwidth. Uh, a good, uh, good number of our sites had aging or uh, completely outdated networks. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we knew that, you know, with the, with the rise of, you know, bringing, trying to gather data and building technology into connected products and services that, uh, you know, at a base layer, starting with connectivity, that wasn't going to be adequate for our business. So, I mean, you were saying that it was just 10 megabits, right, which I guess isn't very much, but that really depends on what amount of data you need to move around. Um, I mean, is there a case for beyond just the obvious, like you have to kind of increase bandwidth, but are, are there sort of more architectural things you can do? For instance, uh, sort of separating the actual networking from the data center computing that, 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 that you already have. Is, is there a case to do something like that, you know, effectively decoupling it? Yeah, and, and that's, that's what we found through the journey as well, right? So yes, you're right. The the, the amount of bandwidth that's needed depends on the use case for sure. Mm. What we found was we were artificially stifling some of those things within our businesses. Mm. As we began to expand that bandwidth, uh, the, the business felt freed to do different things or uh, maybe enabled to do different things. And, you know, as we continued down this path, what we found was a lot of a lot of the capabilities, to your point around separating the data center and the network, a lot of those capabilities uh, were better served either in the cloud or locally at the site themselves. And increasing that bandwidth really uh, was that foundational launch pad uh, for the businesses to start to experiment with the, the technology baked into their products and services. So, I mean, we're talking about a a global wide area network that connects the Coke businesses, business units and offices together. Is that correct? Yeah. So we have, uh, I would say somewhere north of 700 locations in uh, greater than 60 countries. So mm. very much a global network. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I think you've, you've sort of covered this, but um, so there's a business imperative to make that connectivity as easy and as seamless as possible. Um, but specifically, did you look at what needed to be done in terms of supporting transformation? Because I guess not every application and not every site needs the same level of bandwidth. It's all very well saying, well, we'll upgrade to, I don't know if it's possible, double the bandwidth, triple the bandwidth, but in some areas you may not need that or some applications may not need that. Yeah, I think the, the key there is it goes back to, you know, that, that not being an enabler for the businesses. So as we as we talked with our uh, line of business CIOs and CTOs, uh, everybody I would say universally felt like uh, that that was a kind of a again that that foundational need for the uh, business. I mean, we we found use cases for instance where we were wanting to track 
you know, delivery vehicles as they go on to scales mm. um, because we were we were, you know, not getting accurate readings in and out of a facility. Yeah. And the 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 team decided they wanted high res video so they could see, hey, let's make sure all the wheels are sitting on the scales. And as we did things like that, it's like, well, in order to in order to do that, you either have to have plenty of bandwidth locally or bandwidth, you know, to some type of um, uh, video system. Mm. Right. And so even very simplistic, very physical type uh, requirements like that had some level of bandwidth utilization needs. And so we decided to not necessarily set a target, although we did put some targets in place just yes. to help measure our success, right? Uh, but really go out and think about, you know, what does increased bandwidth look like? And what we found at the time was, um, uh, you know, this this move to the internet versus mm -hmm. like an MPLS network yes. and our businesses needs to move to the cloud for flexibility and how they consume technology were really very well uh, married together. Mm. And, and that in order to drive that adoption, moving towards the cloud, moving towards more connected businesses from a manufacturing floor to a services we provide to customers yeah. um, drove a ton of internet connectivity. From what I'm hearing, there's you're, you're doing some, some work around SD-WANs, and the crux of this is, is, is around developing SD-WANs. What are the challenges with SD-WANs, particularly when we're looking at the public cloud and potentially going multi-cloud? Yeah, I think it's um, it's a similar challenge uh, as you know, just as we had with our traditional WAN, you know, moving it into SD WAN. Um, except it's it's again that layer of um, slightly different networking in the cloud than what you have in your traditional network. So being able to stand up a virtual WAN router, right, mm -hmm. a virtual SD WAN router, uh, those types of things exist. But then, um, you know, it. The, the construct that we built started with just our data centers and, you know, using that direct connect into uh, into AWS to 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 get that high speed, low latency connectivity that we needed. You know, that that physical construct, we actually decided that we wanted to leverage this at multiple of our data centers yes. and really change the way we think about our core networking, um, how we how we route the enterprise and stuff like that. And that whole construct took us approximately 18 months from from idea to production implementation. Right. So everything in between there as well. Um, and that was uh, highly successful, helped our businesses dramatically. But this goes back to the comment that I made around uh, it, it very much anchored us or continued to anchor us in the data center. Hmm. So then we took that same construct and virtualized it. That took another approximately six to eight months to really rebuild that construct in a virtual instance in AWS. And then because of the nature of our business where we run multiple WANs, mm -hmm. we actually had to replicate that infrastructure for each of our companies, for each of our WANs. Okay. And, and then, you know, as, as we started to dive into multi-cloud, we were faced with 
that same effort again, but learning it in a new cloud. Mm. So not only are quote unquote, the clouds different from traditional networking, the clouds are different from each other. Yeah, of course. Yes. And so, so then that's, that's where we ran into the problem of, okay, so do we have to replicate this thing again? Yeah. Yeah. And, and how did you achieve that? So, you know, through this whole thing, we'd really been envisioning this idea of network as a service. Mm -hmm. And that was ultimately where we wanted to go because we knew we were, uh, you know, while we were on this transformation, uh, really modernizing our infrastructure, we know that we were too slow for the business. Yes. And so this, you know, as we think about software as a service, infrastructure as a service, what we really hadn't seen yet was network as a service. Mm. Um, and then, you know, we had we looked all over the market and, you know, we found um, Alkira that really provides this cloud area networking as a service that really helps us with all three of those categories of problem, right? Site to cloud, within the cloud and cloud to cloud. And, you know, that really uh, very dramatically. I'm, I'm talking uh, from from months to days to replicate these types of constructs to connect our businesses into the cloud. So just to rewind a bit, did you start using Alcara before you, around the time you did your sort of your 18-month SD1 deployment, or did it come after that? No, it, it came after that because prior to that, uh, Alcara didn't exist. So, oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah, so this was, um, I would say, this was in the 2015 timeframe, and uh, Alcara really launched on the scene around 2019 uh, I think that's right, 2018, 2019. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's where, so we had built these things looking for help, right? And then when we found Alkira, it was uh, it was a relief, quite frankly, for me. So, um, I mean, just one final thing on that. Um, I mean, to go with a technology company that didn't exist a few years ago, I, I, I know, you know, you're a CTO, but isn't that a bit of a risk? Um. Without a doubt, the answer to that is yes. Uh, we had done this in the in the SD WAN days as well, though. You know, mm. we had uh, we had adopted Viptela in the early days of the Viptela solution, well before they were purchased. You know, yeah. through the Cisco acquisition, mm -hmm. um, and and it was really recognizing that as we're going through this transformation, the the market is going through the transformation, the industry is going through this transformation as well, and it's uh, you know we. It, we decided that we really had to look for those forward-leaning solutions yeah. uh, in, in order to achieve the goals that we were trying to get in any kind of realistic time frame. Mm. One of the things that I hear a lot about is, particularly when it's related to digitization, is this idea of organizations wanting to be agile. And for you, how do you see what you've achieved and what you hope to achieve it, uh, making your part of the organization agile and supporting business agility. It, yeah. And I think uh, how you ended that is, is precisely how I think about it, right? It's business agility. Mm. Um, and it's knowing that historically it has been, um, I'll say slow, right. Mm. Uh, in order in responding to business needs and business needs are changing ever more rapidly. And so IT has to change ever more rapidly. And uh, that that kind of leads you to agile. And, you know, as, as we think about 
the various different aspects, especially in you know our leverage capabilities like collaboration and uh, data center and connectivity and things like that, as a service gives us that flexibility we need, and and that comes in the form of uh, you know services that we don't necessarily have to have all the nuts and bolts. We don't have to manage all of those things. Mm. It also gives us teams of experts to rely on. Uh, yes. rather than having to necessarily staff that up ourselves. And and over the last couple of years, that's been a huge benefit for us, you know, in this in this global talent shortage or um, uh, however you want to think about that, where it's 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 still a challenge to attract and retain talent. And we have to have our talent focused on the most valuable things. And that's typically not things like racking and stacking servers, running wires and uh, um, programming routers. Mm. And so as we think about as a service, uh, those are the types of things that let us get out of that minutia and into more of the, how are we gonna solve the actual business problems? And along the way, the time that we're not taking to engineer these solutions, we also get innovation from these companies as well that that come in uh, at a pace of change that we we hadn't seen as we developed our own solutions. Yeah, and so it's it's just a compounding win. For want of a better word, once you have applications of cloud that are effectively sort of natively running in the cloud. I'm, I'm not going to say cloud native, but they're, they're running in the cloud, right? They don't have to keep going back to the on-premise database server or whatever. You, you can then, I guess, take advantage of the fact that if, if there is a database that it needs to call, it can call that database within the cloud. So everything stays within AWS or whatever cloud you're using. Have, have you been able to kind of take advantage of that kind of bandwidth? That's available because it's really within, you know, one, one public cloud. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of uh, interesting learnings along the way there. But uh, what I'll say is, uh, data is the key to the challenge here, right? Because mm. data continuously grows, yes. and con data is um, is heavy, right? And there's this concept of data gravity, where you know the larger data gets. The, the higher bandwidth and the lower latency you need to really be effectively leveraging that mm. data. And so for sure, as we moved workloads out of the data center, uh, what we found was, you know, moving that data was key. It was also probably the hardest um, yes. to move. And, and I mean that in a couple different ways, right? One is again, the, the speeds and feeds that need to move that effectively in a, mm -hmm. in a, timely manner yeah um so we don't create outages for the business that was one aspect of it mm. but the other aspect of data is rarely do you have one i'll say database for lack of a better term right yeah, sure. that is truly used for one isolated work function mm. and and so when you start to think about applications and moving them to the cloud it's it's like a spider web you you pluck on one database one server one you know web front end yeah. and there's so many things attached to it that now you either have to move everything at once or you still end up with this a little bit on-prem a little bit in the cloud for some certain amount of time mm. um, and and working through that was a bit of a challenge yes but but what I would say is even once we got everything into the cloud uh, for sure there was there was better connectivity within 
you know, from an AWS perspective within, the, within each account, yes. within each subnet there. Uh, but then the challenge became starting to think about, you know, our diverse organization and the, the footprint that we were moving into the cloud mm. and what that looked like from a segmentation perspective, from a interoperability and interconnectivity perspective. Yes. And uh, for, for anyone not overly familiar with cloud networking, it's not the same as typical enterprise networking. And so this was this was really driving new learnings for our our highly effective, deeply technical networking teams. <laughs> I guess it's not the, I mean, they say it's bad practice to lift and shift your old workloads into the cloud. <laughs> but I, I guess there's no way you can lift and shift your network into the cloud. That, you know, I, I I don't know that I've ever thought about it that way, but I think you just hit the nail on the head there, right? So from an application perspective, certainly we recognize that lift and shift is um, the way that I articulated it to the team is it's a rest stop. It's not a destination. We mm. really do want to get to that cloud native, those those things that really leverage the advancements of the cloud. But yeah, uh, exactly what you said. There is there is really no way to lift and shift your network, um, at least not cost effectively. Yes, yeah. I mean, finally, I mean, how do you see networking evolving in Coke over the next few years? Um, I think, I think this trend that we're on, right? So what we what we see is. Um, you know, we kind of started with the mindset that you mentioned around not all workloads require the same amount of bandwidth. Mm. And while that's still true, all workloads are starting to consume more and more bandwidth. And it's back to the data piece, right? Because more and more workloads are creating more and more data that we're now starting to find valuable. And either the real-time processing of that data or the storage of that data is driving additional bandwidth. And, and so I mean that in a couple different ways, right? So mm. one is, as we think about, you know, long-term storage of large amounts of data, uh, that takes a lot of bandwidth to get it to the cloud for storage, for processing, those types of things. Yes. But when we really want to focus on uh real-time application mm -hmm. of data for things like uh, plant manufacturing or IoT, those types of things, yeah. this is where the edge has to continue to grow as well, uh, both from a compute and from a connectivity perspective. Mm. And so we, we see this, um, this ecosystem of connectivity, if you will, right? So there's still absolutely a need for site to cloud. Mm. And and I differentiate that from data center to cloud simply because we, we continue to reduce our data center footprint. Yes. Um, but it's it's a very similar thing. Mm -hmm. the, the second piece, you know, we talked about just briefly a minute ago is that connectivity within the cloud. And that's, you know, between business units, between applications uh, and and then the, the segmentation and starting to think about, you know, zero trust in a different way in the in that network. Yes. And then the last piece that I don't think I answered your question previously around multi-cloud, as we as we start to find reasons to leverage other clouds, whether that's uh, from a geography perspective, from a, a you know capability that's uh, otherwise advantaged in a different cloud, uh, it's it's back to the data problem. Yeah. And and the data problem has to be enabled by bandwidth and connectivity. So so those are three very distinct different problems that are all um, facing us at the same time and mm. having to having to continue to evolve. <laughs> I think it's an an absolutely fascinating area, Matt. Uh, but thank you ever so much for taking the time to have a chat with me today. 
And thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.